to have sin that's that's blocking God's prayers. We found out uh, in James chapter 5 that the one who is praying to be healed, it's also told that if he has any sins, they'll be forgiven him. What sins? Sins that are attributing to his sickness. Not everyone is sick because of their sin, but some are. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, some are sick among you, some are weakly, some are even dying because they're taking the Lord's Supper with unconfessed sin. And so you see, this, is, this matter of confession is very important. And so because, thirdly, because maybe we're just not praying with persevering faith. In other words, we're, we're just praying and then our prayers don't get answered after a few weeks or months and we just give up and we just say, you know what? Uh, I'm just not even going to pray about that anymore. And so we, we just stop persisting in our prayer. And so now we come to this matter of faith, which is the matter of all matters. It is the number one subject in all of Scripture. It is what the Christian life is all about. First Corinthians, or rather Hebrews chapter 11, the great Hall of Fame faith chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith, faith, faith is it. Faith is everything. And so let's learn about faith. And let's begin learning about faith Number one, in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, I want you to see two stories here. One story and then a second story in these verses. And I'll go quickly. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, and much people gathered unto him. And again, I I want to take a little moment, if I could teach this. One of the reasons why, and again, it's just this is a teaching moment for the pastor. One of the reasons why oftentimes... I find myself correcting the King James English is because there is, there is better English. Our culture, the English has changed in certain words we don't use anymore. And so I know that many of you don't have an old King James. I'm still preaching from an older King James, and that's fine. But I do correct the English a lot. Therefore, may, maybe someone would ask, why, why don't you just preach out of another version if it has better English? Well, I probably should have in this sermon, to be honest. The ESV has much better English to teach the Word of God in this particular passage. I say that to help our church understand that I'm correcting a lot of the words because they're not understood by the culture. If you say, well, I'm an old, I'm an old fogey. I, I get it. I've been reading. I know, but think about the new fogies, okay? And uh, they don't get it. You'll see what I mean in just a minute, all right? And I happen to be one that loves the younger generation. I'm almost out of here, and I need to pass on things that make sense and not my stubborn will that hangs on to old words that nobody uses anymore, all in the name of tradition. Here we go. That, that was not in the notes, by the way. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him and was nigh or beside unto the sea or what we would call the beach. And so here Jesus is, he's passing over. There's a lot of people there and, and behold, there comes one of the rulers. His name is Jairus and this ruler comes to Jesus and he, he, he sees Jesus and look what he does. He falls at his feet. Why does he fall at the feet of Jesus? I'll tell you why, because the next verse says he has a little daughter. And she is about to die. Now, many of you know that there is something special about girls. Especially when girls don't feel well or, or, or sick or, or they're hurting. 
Like, for instance, if my sons, Mo, Joe, or Zoe, come up to me and say, you know, man, Dad, I, I just don't feel good. My reaction is suck it up. Get over it. Go lay down. Come on, man. This world needs some tough men. Can I get an amen, gentlemen? I mean, come on. I tell my son all the time, you know, every time he falls down, Joe gets up and... I'm like, man, I remember the day when I'd play ball, fall down, get up, look at the dude, and you do that again, your history. You know what I mean? Come on. You know, anyway. Sorry. Got in the flesh there. But now you, you let Chloe come up to me and say, Daddy, oh, my throat. Come here, little baby. Come here. Get in my life. I give up. What you need? What do you want? Seriously, it's that bad. It's, at the, it's, it's borderline idolatry. It really is. I mean, uh, you know, girls are not good for the idolatry issues in our lives. You know, I love, uh, you know what makes it worse? Granddaughters. Oh my goodness. It's like, once you get a granddaughter, you're like, I thought it was bad with my daughter. Now it's even worse. Okay. So I can understand Jarius's emotions. And, and, but I want you to notice, first of all, Jarius did something. Notice in verse 22, he fell at Jesus' feet. Number one, here it is, the first thing. He acted. Faith that acts. You see, faith is, is not going to work unless someone works it. You've got to work it. You've got to act. You've got to move forward by faith. And I want you to write next to that word, next to those words, taking my problems before the Lord in prayer. The first thing that God wants us to understand about faith is we must act. We must do whatever it takes to get to Jesus and bring the petition before him. Notice this man did just that. First of all, he got up that morning. Secondly, he got dressed that morning. Thirdly, he went and looked for Jesus. Fourthly, he found Jesus. I mean, this is a process. By the way, church, this really happened. This is not like some little story of fiction. This, this really happened. A man really did this. He really went to Jesus. His daughter was sick. She was about to die. And then it says that he knelt at his feet. Or did it? It doesn't say he knelt there. He didn't, you know, for instance... If my daughter is, is sick, come here, Caleb, and, and just for a minute and stand right here uh, <clears throat> since you look so good. <laughs> you are a stud today, okay? Right. I love you. So if my daughter, if this is, it, <laughs> this is Jesus. I know that's hard to imagine. But anyway, no, if, if this is the one who has the answer to my problems, I mean, he's got, my daughter is sick. She's about to die. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to find him and say, would you please? My daughter's about to die. Here's what he did. He falls at his feet. And he grabs his face. Please! My daughter's about to die! That's what he did. Thank you, Caleb. That's what he did. I mean, listen, either the Bible's true or it's not true. Either the Bible gives us descriptive words for a reason or... Let's just read the Bible as some sort of fairy tale. I believe the word of God is true. Every word. And if he fell at his feet, this was a moment that he acted. He made a decision that his faith was going to become action. Question, do you act when something happens in your life that is beyond you? When something happens in your life that is beyond you, what do you do? Do you act or do you make excuses? You know, one of the things I'm trying to get rid of in the culture of our church is dignity. We're way too wrapped up in it. 
The culture we came from is all about dignity, isn't it? The culture we came from is all about dotting every I and crossing every T. The culture that I was saved in, and I'm thankful for that culture in the sense that I was saved in it, and there's a thousand good things, but there's a handful of things that I'm glad I walked away from. And one of those things is the fear of what will people think? The fear of man. What if I have special prayer? What if we anoint with oil? What, what, if, what if we have a special time of prayer? What, what, if, what if I don't wear a tie and a suit and, and shine my shoes? And what, what if I, what do people think? And I finally got to the place where God's not looking for dignity. He's looking for humility. God's looking for people who are not so concerned about what will they think of me if I pray in church? What will they think of me if we kneel at the altar? What will they think of me if I walk forward? I mean, people might think I actually needed the sermon. God forbid that they would think that I'm nothing but a perfect Christian. Oh, man, listen, this is, this is so important. He didn't have, he wasn't concerned about his dignity. He acted. You see, the trials of life are to be taking you to a place in prayer that you've never been before. I am standing on the great frontiers of your love. God, I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know where this is leading. But but God, I know this is a trial and it's going to take me to a place. For instance, just illustratively, recently our college, after 12 years of being in existence, finally reached a very critical, amazing, miraculous accreditation status. Now, Champion Christian College offers accredited courses with transferable credits. I mean, this is an amazing, with financial aid. I mean, amen. It's amazing. But, I can tell you, it's been a trial. <laughs> I mean, it's been a trial. It's been one thing after the other. It's been standing on the great frontiers of what I do believe could be an amazing institution called a Christian college in Hot Springs, Arkansas, much like Liberty University. I mean, you say, well, Eric, do you think that God, God could have plans like that? I don't know. I'm just standing on the great frontiers of his love. And I know he's worked a miracle in 12 years. He gave us this. And I, I know he's gave us people that are supportive and behind us. And, and I'm not sure there's a price to pay. And there's still a price to pay. And we're still not, you know, totally just locomotive moving forward. But I'll tell you this. We've taken one giant step that can't be explained beyond faith that acted. And that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to do things that he's never done before, but he has to work through a trial to do that. And sometimes before I ever get to the answer, I'm just thankful for what God is doing in me through the trial because he's bringing me to a place of prayer. And sometimes I don't like the trial, but if the trial produces prayer, what about that video? I mean, that was a trial. The man was beaten. The man was, was, was tortured. But God used that to bring him to a place that he had never been before. And now God's going to use this video to stir us up in a way that we would have never been stirred up before had he not gone through that trial. That soldier that probably, I think that illustrates people that would have gotten saved. I mean, I would just like to think that that soldier got saved as a result of that pastor looking at him after he beat him and said, I was praying for you. But you have to act. Sometimes you just have to take action. And what separates so many people from Jairus and the miracle that Jairus experienced, what separates people from this miracle is he did it. He acted. 
So many times we, we don't. So number one, faith acts. But number two, after faith acts, then faith asks. So faith that asks. I want you to notice, if you would, in verse 23, it says, and, they, and he besought him greatly, and here's what he said, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I'm just going to shoot straight, Jesus. I'm just going to shoot you straight. Here's the deal. She's about to die, and, and I'm one, I pray thee. I'm asking you, God. I'm asking you to come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and live. I know you can do this, God. I believe totally that, that if you just touch my daughter, she will live. So I'm asking, I pray thee, would you come? Faith that acts is faith that asks. And this is what this man did. He's desperate for an answer. Look at his desperation in verse 22 as he falls at Jesus' feet. Look at his desperation in verse 23 as it says he beseeches him greatly. I mean, this is not something he's just asking casually. He is, he is greatly asking, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Notice his confidence at the end of verse 23. I know, God, if you'll do this, she'll be. So faith that acts is a faith that asks. Number three, are you ready? Moving along. Number three, I want you to notice, if you would please, in verse number 24. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is not good. Jesus is... Okay, I'm picturing this, and I'm a real big picture guy when I read Scripture. Massive. I mean, I like, I'm in the story. Sometimes I have to read it like 20 times to really make it live, but it's worth it. And so here's what I see. When the the story started coming alive in my heart, I saw this man holding Jesus' hand and and doing this. Come on, come on, we got her, come on. This is what I'm picturing. I don't think he's just like, you know, hey, come on. So what's up? You doing good? Daughter's about to die, but it's, it's good, it's cool, it's good. No, I think he's like, come on, come on. And then all of a sudden, Jesus rips his hand out and says, hold up. And he goes, if I'm Jarius, I'm freaking out about right now. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you, my. And all of a sudden, we find the story transitions into another story. But we're not going to talk about that story just yet. We're going to close with that story. So in order for this story to finish, let's fast forward to verse 35. And I want you to write this down. A faith that acts is a faith that asks and a faith that endures. It's a faith that endures. It waits. It's willing to go through some some hardships. It's willing to, to face some rejection. So pick up the story in verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. It's over, Jarius. You're wasting your time, bro. I mean, she might have lived if Jesus wouldn't have stopped and helped that other person. But too bad. She's gone. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, here's what he said to Jarius. Don't miss this. He said, Jarius, be not afraid. Only believe. 
Jesus said that to Jairus. So I want you to write this down next to the words, faith that endures. I want you to write this down. I am staying before the Lord in prayer. I'm not giving up. Even when things don't go my way, even when things don't get answered when I think they should get answered, even when there is a delay, I am going to endure. I'm going to stay before the Lord in prayer. When it looks as bad as it ever has been, would you just say what Jarius? would you hear Jesus say rather what he said to Jarius? do not fear, only believe. You know, sometimes... I was thinking, Marion, you're in the service today and your daughter, Patty, this week got some good news, didn't she? If I'm, if I'm right about this, has, has anything changed since? So she got good news. So Patty had been given months to live. This has been going on for several years. This cancer, 11 years. So we're going up on the 12th year. Interesting, 12 years. I'm just saying. And she's been sick and recently was, was given months to live. And so in one last effort, they, they went to California to, to try to see if there was this one, one kind of an unusual thing could be done to help her. And to make a long story short, we put this on the prayer line for several days. You were praying and, and, and I was praying. And if you got the prayer email, you saw it on the email as well. Well, I've got some good news. Things have changed. There's been a reversal and God has extended her life from a few months to a few years. And we're standing on the great frontiers of God's love as we've seen faith endure for 11 years in our church. And God touched Patty in a powerful way. That's why I believed we needed to have another 40 days of prayer. I just didn't feel like we were through yet. And personally, I'm not going to spend the money to do any more days of prayer so make your own card. But keep on praying until the light breaks through. The Lord will answer. He'll answer you. God keeps his promise. His words are true. Just keep on praying till the light breaks through. Because God's got an answer. Keep on praying. Hang in there. Because we see what the Lord has done. Can't we see God has blessed us? Can't we see what God has done in the past? But there is still more God wants to do. You say, well, how, how can we see the more? How can we see the more, Eric? If, if God really wants to do more, what do we need to do? Endure. That's what. Endure. Stay at it. Stay before the Lord. Okay, so we've got the accreditation. Let's, let's keep on praying. God's got greater things. We've got a 200-bed dormitory that we want to fill up next semester. Can I get an amen? I should say the fall semester. I mean, and again, I'm using the college as an illustration only because it's fresh. I don't I hardly ever talk about that. But, but I'm talking about it because it is a massive answer to prayer to most of you in the building. But there's many other things that God is doing. I mentioned Patty. There's many other things that God is doing. God is answering prayer. God is touching lives. Do not fear, only believe. Look at verse 37, 38, and 39. And he suffered no more to follow him, save, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Now, don't miss this. Make sure you're looking at your Bible when I, when I talk about this. This is so cool. And he sees the tumult. Now, that's, that's a tough word there. So let's just say he sees the confusion or he sees the commotion. 
and they that wept and wailed greatly. How many of you were here when Brother Jeremy Panero talked about in the jungle, people wail and they, ah, remember that? That's culture. That's culture. This is cultural wailing. These are people that were hired to cry. This is Jeremy Panero's story coming to Bible. Okay, they're, they're, they're crying, they're, they're wailing. These are not people that probably even know who they're wailing for, but it was in, in that culture, it would have been acceptable or unacceptable for someone to die without there being people crying and wailing at their death. And I'll show you how cultural it was just in a moment. You'll see it. And so he comes to the house of the ruler and he sees the, the, the confusion and them that wept and, and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he says unto them, why make ye this, another weird word, ado? That's commotion. Why make ye this commotion and weep? The damsel or the little girl is not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. Do you think they had any faith? No. So the mourners now are laughing. So I don't think they were crying real tears. Do you? I'm sure... Whenever you can go from mourning to laughing that quickly, it's pretty evident that this was a cultural practice here. So they're laughing now, and they're just cracking up. They think Jesus has lost his mind. They're laughing him to scorn, but when when he had put them out. Now, remember I told you my mind works in pictures? I'm thinking when Jesus put him out, it wasn't. Uh, if you guys don't mind, could I have a little time alone with them? I'm just thinking it was either a look. Like, does anybody have the look? Kids, does your parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know. I think Jesus either did that. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> or I think maybe Jesus made an example of one of them. Like he takes one by the, and just throws them out and says, you guys want some of this? <laughs> It's one or the other. I kind of think it might be the second. But anyway, okay. So they all, they all take off. They leave. And he, and he entered where the little girl was. This is so awesome. This is so amazing. I mean, think about what we're reading here. An incredible story where Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. Now, Jairus had several choices that he could have made. Think about it. He, he, he had several things that he went through. He had the delay. Remember the delay that we're going to just look at in just a moment. He had the news that his daughter died. He had the murmuring of the people. The people were laughing, but his faith acted, his faith asked, and his faith endured. Isn't this beautiful? So guess what happens next? A faith that acts and asks and endures gets answered. So look in verse 41. Faith that answers. And he took the little girl by the hand. And he says to her, Talithakumi, which is being interpreted, little girl, get up. Little girl, arise. Isn't Jesus gentle? You know, sometimes when people aren't feeling well, we need to be a little more gentle. When folks are, you know, sometimes I, I need to probably be a little more gentle, you know. Jesus didn't say, get up. He said, hey, sweetie, arise, get up. And then the Bible says, 
She straight, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. Now, it doesn't tell us how long she was sick, but I'm under the impression that maybe she was sick since birth, or this was just something that she could not get rid of, and she finally got to the point of death. But for 12 years, that's significant, you'll see in just a minute, and they were astonished in a great, with great astonishment. She was healed. His prayers were answered. I want you to write next to answered, faith that answered. Write this down. Answered means this, that God will show up in the midst of your circumstances and make his presence known. God will show up in the middle of what you're going through and make his presence known and answer your prayer. Now, in closing, let's go back to the second story. I've just got about five or six minutes If we go back to the second story, that's going to be verse 25. Remember the second story? Remember Jairus with Jesus? Remember? Jesus takes his hand out of Jairus' hand and begins to help. Verse 25. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood. How many years? This number 12 is coming up a lot. By the way, guess when the college started? 2005. Guess when she got accredited? 2017. How many years is that? 12. I'm just saying. Judge, I'm just saying. Twelve, she's sick 11 years, and in her 12th year, she gets healed. I'm just saying. I'm not, I know you want it before 12 years, but I think what God is saying, there's nothing magical about the year 12. Here's what God is saying to all of us today. Sometimes delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. Hang in there. Keep on praying. And so we look at verse number 25 real quick. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And she had suffered many things, many physicians, by the way. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a weirdo. I, 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 I'm not much on these people that say, well, I don't think you should ever go to a physician. Please, please be careful with that. God can use physicians. God can use doctors. He, my wife is alive today because of a really good doctor. God used a physician in our lives. That was God that used him. It's not wrong to go to the doctor. It's wrong when you put your life in the doctor's hands and give him credit because your life is in God's hands and he deserves all the credit. All the credit. And so she had spent all that she had and there was nothing better. But things actually got worse. And when she had heard the reports... Of Jesus. By the way, when's the last time somebody heard a good report about Jesus from you? I mean, she went to Jesus because she heard about what he could do. Maybe more people would come to church if they would hear from you how good Jesus is. Maybe people would want what we've got if we had better things to say about Christianity. Maybe at work we need to stop complaining and say, God is good. I wonder today if people just aren't really attracted to Christianity because of Christians. Grouchy, complaining Christians who who always have something negative to say. Why would anybody want what we've got if it hasn't made a difference in our lives that people can see? And so they saw, they heard the reports, or she did. The Bible says that she came in the press behind. That word press is just another word for crowd. She came in the crowd and she touched his garment. And she said, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. 
Notice she does the same thing. She, she acts. She goes to Jesus. Same thing. She asks if I can just but touch the hem of his garment. And then she endures. Twelve years. She's sick. She gets through the crowd. I mean, that was tough. A, a sickly woman fighting her way through the crowd. You got to want it bad. If you've been sick for 12 years and you're fighting your way through a crowd, this is an amazing woman. Both of these situations seem like they're extended illnesses. And that's why it's so important for us to understand what's on the screen. Delay is not denial. And that's why we must also understand, listen to me, we must pray God's will. Pray God's will. Listen, God's will in God's way, in God's time. That's the way to pray. God's will, in God's way, in God's time. Your will be done. Not my will, but your be done. God, may your will be done in my daughter. God, may your will be done in my son. God, may your will be done at my job. God, may your will be done in my church. God, let me be part of your will. Look at verse 28. We're almost done. Or 29. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt... Now, I just saw this this morning when I was preaching. I did not see this in my study. But I'm up here preaching at the 9 o'clock service. And I'm, I'm going to show you what God gave me. You ready? This is like fresh off the press. Like this, this happened to me at about 10.05 this morning. Notice it doesn't say she was healed. It just says her blood was dried up and she felt that she was healed. I ain't no theologian, but that spoke to me. I don't think she's healed yet. She's just feeling like something's happening. You know, sometimes I think God begins to give us a little taste of the answered prayer. But he wants to see if we're going to be thankful for it or not. And so he gives us, he gives her a little taste. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turns him about in the press, the crowd, and he says... Who touched me? And then the disciples get sarcastic. Now, personally, I ain't talking to Jesus like this. Personally. But, but this is what they did. They must have been super close to him because the Bible says that, that, that the disciples said in verse 31, Are you serious, Jesus? You see this great crowd thronging you. They're touching me. They're touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? We're all getting touched. But Jesus meant, who touched me with faith? Who touched me with faith? But the, and he looked around to see her that, that had done this thing. So Jesus looks around to find this woman. Now, if you're this woman, ladies, what are you doing? I think some of us might. I think I just got healed. I'm out of here. But she didn't do that. The Bible says... I love this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, and this is when I think she got totally healed. I don't think she was healed until now when she came back and got honest with God and told the truth and thanked him for how good he was. Then he says, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Be healed of your plague. What do I see in this story? I see a faith that acts. I see a faith that asks. I see a faith that endures. And I see a faith that gets answered. 
She's healed totally of her plague. This is so powerful. In church, God is leading us to the edge of ourselves today. God is using these two stories in Scripture to help us to understand the prayer of faith. And this is so simple. This one, the, the whole point of my message is how to pray the prayer of faith. You got to act. Get with it. Do something. Start something. Pray with somebody. Come to the altar. Do something. Act. And then ask. Straightforward. Just ask God. Just put it out there, man. I mean, just like get honest. Like get real. Like crazy real. Like, I mean, like, I mean, at the Teen Rev rally, I had a guy walk up to me and say, man, just pray. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with pornography, man. It is, it's a serious addiction. It's about God, it, it, it's about destroying my life. You know what I did? I said, oh, man, you're gross. I ain't. No, you know what I did? I, I hugged him. I said, bro, man. I struggle with bad thoughts too. Man, I got the same flesh you got, man. I'm, I totally can sympathize. It's, it's tough. Let's pray. See, for some of us, that's just way too much. That's just, but that's, that's a faith that is willing to be vulnerable and to get some help. A faith that acts, a faith that asks, a faith that endures is a faith that gets answered. We're going to close in a different way. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I've asked three people to come and pray. And I want those three people to come to the platform. And they're going to pray. And after they pray, we're going to sing this song for one last time. And we're going to be dismissed. Because I really do want to keep on preaching on prayer. But I tell you what, I know that God wants me to transition next week and preach on the fatherless. I want to preach on adoption. I want to preach on children next week. I know God wants me to do it. I believe with all of my heart that our church before the end of the year needs to be made aware that there are children in our city without families that are hurting. And we got to find out what is the church's role. Are we supposed to sit idly by and do nothing and let the government, DHS, take care of all of it? Or does the church play any role in loving fatherless children? Does that have anything to do with calling ourselves Christians? I know that's what God wants me to do next week. So this is my last message on prayer for a while. So we're going to close with three of our people praying. And I just randomly asked three to pray because I felt like you needed to hear somebody pray, not just your pastor. So I'm going to ask Joel Suarez to pray first, and then I'm going to ask John to pray second, and then I'm going to ask Caroline to close us, and then you guys sing, and we'll be done. If you give a mic to Joel. Thank you, Joel. Dearly Father, tremendous series that we just heard on prayer. We are your people. We are here, Lord, and we come to you and we pray. We're coming in humility because we know that we can't do it